Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another broadcast of Obstruction to Justice. I am Ann Moles, and today we're going to talk a little bit um, more about um, the community opportunities. I like to kind of look at it that way. Uh, on Obstruction to Justice, we get to talk about uh, politics, um, the communities, um, relevant topics of the day, and of course, my favorite business. So we're going to just chat a little bit about, uh, we're going to chat a little bit about what's going on in the communities, uh, community home ownership, and Kwanzaa. Now, how in the world does that tie together? Hi, Cheyenne. Hi, Cheyenne Hubbard. Uh, well, that ties together in a big way, more than, than we know, huh? more than we pay attention to, I think. You know, so we're going to just go ahead and chat a little bit about that. Now, before I get started, I just want to invite you to go ahead and chat. Cheyenne, she has logged in and chatted. She says, hi. Hello, pretty girl. Huh? A young person. Hey, got it going on, doing big things. And we just definitely appreciate her. Uh, so go ahead and, and chime in, get your chat on. And she's out there on Facebook. Now, we're about everywhere. We're out there on Facebook and YouTube and all you Twitchites, um, D-Linkers and all of you guys. Go ahead and chime in and, uh, you know, just share. Or, you know, when you get a chance, hey, sometimes we don't have time. So, yeah. Chime in when you do have a time or listen to the broadcast when you do have time and then go ahead and share it. Yeah, check it out and uh, share it with someone that may be encouraged because that's kind of what we want to do. We want to make sure that people are are uh, aware. Huh? You know, they're they're kind of giving us a bad rap for those of us that that I didn't term the term woke. I didn't term the term woke. I, I, I didn't start saying woke. Uh, uh, I, uh, we, we call it what? We call it being aware. What, what other terms did we call it uh, back in the day? Being aware, um, being uh, progressive, being, uh, but not being woke. So I didn't term or coin the term woke. But um, some people are just out there and they're just kind of giving it a bad, a bad rap. What's wrong with being woke? <laughs> what's wrong with being aware? Uh, what's wrong with being aware of what's going on in your community? I think that's super important. And uh, I think we've been kind of sticking around and hanging out and talking about microeconomics uh, to kind of get a better feel for it. And why is uh, the study of microeconomics important? Because it, it does deal with the innermost uh, communities, right? Macroeconomics deals with the national and international scale of what our country does and is doing financially and, and within the community in that way. And then microeconomics deals with what's going on within the community, uh, the local communities. And we, we've chatted several times about different things that's going on in the local communities. 
Now, you know, uh, there is uh, the mayor, Mayor Quentin Lucas is out there and he is, he's doing his job. I have to kind of tip my hat. If I had one on, I'd tip my hat to him. He's doing his job. Uh, now, we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago and we were sharing and how I shared how one of the uh, senators or the congressman uh, from one of the districts sent out a questionnaire. And one of the questions on the questionnaire was talking about defunding the police. Would you would you want to defund the police? Now, I said no. And here's what I wanted and what I still believe is important. Uh, there's got to be resources somewhere without having resources taking a, taken away from those that are called to protect and serve, right? Uh, so I said no, but there still has to be an answer. I want something to, to happen, resources to come from uh, some type of organization that would allow for communities to uh, come together and be able to uh, communicate and, and educate each other based on what's going on, right? So uh, to defund the police or take some, what they're saying defunding the police is, you know, I'm, I'm, I've heard the radical end of it where you just take all the money from the police department. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I'm hearing folks wanting to be radical with it, take all the money from the police department and then give it to a, an alternative uh form of police policing. And uh, uh, that's not cool. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think that there should be something that should be done. And we definitely, definitely need to do something, but not defund it to where it's taking all. Well, here, another option is to take part of it. Well, take some of the resources that were would be given to the police department and then use it for community, uh, community education, police policing or education to come up with some answers as far as why, uh, why is the inner city community under so much duress and distress? Why are people dying? Why are people getting killed? Why is there so much uh, going on within the community in that way in a negative way? So. I'm, I'm for, let's take some of it, right? Uh, some of something somewhere right now. All of it, no, but something. We need to find some resources somewhere. So he's out there doing his job. And I would say, hey, hats off to, he's coming under a lawsuit here. <laughs> They're going to sue him for doing his job. Okay, well, you know, the mayor is supposed to speak for the people. And I would just hope now I'm not a Kansas City in it, but I do am in the greater Kansas City, Missouri area. And he has gotten on several forums and talked about the issues that are going on as far as people dying and the the uh, uh, police brutality and violence that that's going on and has gone on in the communities, uh, South community, South Kansas City. You know, why is South Kansas City, you know, what what is it about? We I remember when the, the big push was to go out to South Kansas City, and this was like 20, 20, 25 years ago. So if you got a little house out there in South Kansas City, you were doing something. You know, it was it was the place to be, the place to go. And then uh so we thought, but then what happened was then the money came towards the downtown and inner city, right? Where they started building the lofts. And then there's even more going on when it comes to construction and the 
what we consider what regentrification. Mm, that's a big word, right? And that where used to be a, a low income housing, now it's more of where, hey, can you afford it? So they built it up to where they poured money into the downtown and inner city community. So anyway, good thoughts and prayers to uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas for doing his job. Uh, now, it's also baseball season. <laughs> baseball season. Come on, Royals. If you're going to win something, win. Now, I haven't been following because they had done nine losses in a row. I'm like, oh, no, I can't watch this. But I know some winners, huh? And I just, I like, I went out there and bought a book. <laughs> now, the monarchs are out there now. So the monarchs have, have taken the, the, the name of the, Kansas City Monarchs has been taken on by what used to be the T-Bones over in Kansas City, Kansas. So now they're the Kansas City Monarchs. Well, you know, I'm I'm in a history buff. It, and I went out and I bought uh, Larry Lester's Larry Lester and Sammy J. Miller wrote this book. Now, we've had Larry Lester on the broadcast here on Obstruction to Justice, and we had a chance to chat with him. Uh, I bought his book out here, Black Baseball in Kansas City, Black America Series. And on the picture, it has a picture of a Kansas City monarch in that uniform. So I'm excited to crack that open. And, you know, as far as it has pictures in it and, you know, just get a chance to kind of reiterate why, why would I buy historical uh, books and, and resources about history, sports history? You know, it's just to be encouraged to know that uh, there were uh, people that in that persevered through because we know that during the time when the Kansas City Monarchs played, it was not it was not a, an easy time for us as African-Americans. So uh, to persevere, to overcome, and then the talent. Oh my goodness, you know, the, the talent that went on in the Kansas City Monarchs to, to hear about the story. So I got that book. You know, I'm going to challenge you. Hey, good evening, Risa, Risa Singleton. Good evening, pretty lady. Yeah, I'm going to challenge you. Go out and get you some books. Now, look, I know book reading is not a big deal, right? More people, they want to they use the mobile phone. They want to binge watch on the TV and everything. But it's something about uh, taking some of the energy that you have left in a day. <laughs> so, you know, because, well, you know, as believers, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did it again. I let the cat out of the bag. I am a believer. Now, as believers, we make sure that we read. We read what? The word. We read the word. So we're already in, in the habit of reading the word. We're already in the habit of reading the Bible right? So we're, we're readers. Well, you know, even if we kind of, you know, get a scripture here and there and everything, or take a chapter and read it, uh, we're, we're readers already. But I want to challenge you to get some books that are going to enlighten and encourage you and, uh, and, and help, help you along that I, I bought a bunch of, them. these are just two that I introduced uh, and that I'm, well, here's one, but here's the other. Okay, I did. I'm going to let this one out the bag too. Now we've had uh, uh, Dr. 
Donna C. Watson on our broadcast too. And she wrote the book, My Legacy Experience, How My Mother's Life Prepared Me for Her Death. And she is a local greater Kansas City in as well. And, uh, you know, it's a book and it's not very big, but it's very informative, right? So it's got some really good insights in here. And what I really uh, look, am looking forward to, it, it's going to be really a real easy read. You know, it's not very big, but I'm going to really look forward to uh, the, the plan. She's got a plan in the back of the book to where it's a checklist and what to do and how to prepare for uh, loved ones that uh, before you go, right? I mean, my kids, they, they rag me kind of, mom, when you pass, can I have? I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> why don't you just get your own? It's probably going to be better than, than what I have anyway. But yeah, so to prepare yourself, prepare your family for that time, because it is inevitable. We are all going to pass on uh, sooner or later if the Lord tarries. I always say that, you know, because that's what happens in life. So she wrote that book, Donna C. Watson, My Legacy Experience, How My Mother's Life Prepared Me for Her Death. And um, I'm going to look forward to curling up with that and being encouraged and uh, taking a uh, part in making sure that I uh, make th some checks in those boxes there to, to address all of the, the questions and issues that one could experience when they're dealing with preparing for the other part of life, which is passing one in death. All right. <laughs> yes. Woo. All right. So here, let's just go right into I'm going to go in. I got a little bit here going on. So I'm going to go to this screen. Let's share the uh, this window. It is. Uh, we'll look at this one here. Let's do this one. So the uh, microeconomics. And again, we're, we're going to kind of chime in on this a little bit more here. And we're going to talk about home ownership. Home ownership. Uh, within uh, microeconomics here. And uh, we talked last week uh, about redlining. And uh, yeah, so we described what redlining was. Okay, so what is redlining? Uh, redlining is a discriminatory practice that puts services, financial and otherwise, out of reach for residents of certain areas based on race or ethnicity. It can be seen in the systematic denial of mortgages, insurance, loans, and other financial services based on location and that uh, area's uh, default history. So uh, rather than an individual's qualifications and credit worthiness. So the area's default history as opposed to the person's uh, credit worthiness or qualifications. Okay, so it's based on that redlining. Notably, the policy of redlining is felt by most, by the most, uh, by residents of minority neighborhoods. So if you live in a minority neighborhood, which is kind of changed a little bit uh, this past summer, I got out quite a bit this past summer, and I saw some of the areas that used to look and be African-American, and now they are uh, Hispanic and uh, Arab. Yes. And they're taking the, the homes that 
that uh, were left and they're buying them. Okay. So uh, they, they were being rented. Okay. So there's a lot of homes that were rented in the African-American communities and then the homes were left and then the African-Americans started renting out South. Okay. So we're, this is in the greater Kansas city, Missouri area. So the, the homes that were there now, the property is some way for some reason available for, uh, for, uh, purchase. So they're buying up the homes had bought up the homes and have been really fixing on them. So I don't know if they're abandoned. I know that I have a couple of friends, big shout out to, uh, Oh, uh, Phil Brown. Woo. <laughs> he has a house that, uh, he purchased for tax what they call them tax houses. And then you fix them up. And then uh, you rent them out or live in them, whatever you like to do. So that's happened. Um, but why is it called redlining? The term redlining was coined by sociologist John McKnight in the 1960s. And it derives from how the federal government and lenders would literally draw a red line on a map around the neighborhoods they would not invest in based on demographics alone. Uh, in the 1930s, the federal government began redlining real estate, marking risky neighborhoods for federal mortgage loans on the basis of race. Yeah, and we, I talked about that a little bit last week too. Um, uh, why is redlining discriminatory? Well, redlining is discriminatory. It's a discriminatory practice as it puts services, uh, financial services and other services out of reach for residents of certain areas based on race or ethnicity. It can be seen in the systematic denial of mortgages, insurance and loans and other other services rather than the qualifications of uh, a person's credit worthiness and qualifications. Now, black inner city neighborhoods were most likely to be redlined and investigations found that lenders would make loans to lower income whites, but not to middle or upper income African Americans. Okay, so the result of this redlining is uh, real estate uh, would still, you know, of course, the issue is still felt, felt for decades. So, look, even if you were uh, middle or upper income uh, African-American, you wouldn't even get the loan, even if you could afford it and were good as far as credit, credit worthiness. And, you know, you just happen to keep your job right there and uh, worked it worked to, to where you were able to continue to make the, the mortgage payment, didn't get the foreclosures and things like that. But the lower income whites would get the loans. So that uh, that right there, it's definitely discriminatory. So uh, it's just, um, you know, it's it's uh, not not a good practice at all. It's not a good practice even for for the community because you have your uh, smaller communities, but then you have the larger communities. So here's kind of the point. You think that it's just going to stay in one community. Now, uh, the African-American community has, I believe, suffered the most and continues to go through um go through discrimination and is suffering based on not having that sort of um, 
uh, income to pass along or pass down, you know, the home gets passed on. And then from there, uh, the, the children or the family uh, member doesn't have to, you know, they don't have to pay the rent so they can invest in other things. They can have that money to invest in other things. And I think that's the point is that it should be uh, invested in other things so that, or other properties and other opportunities to where it could develop that, that, uh, family unit to where it carries on and people do better than before. So you should be doing better than the parents uh, based on the information or the opportunities that African-Americans have had with homes. Now, I know that um, there was a big thing going on where you could get in a home for this uh, balloon type mortgage or whatever it would be. The mortgage payment would be X for a while, but then it would balloon up and then the mortgage payment would be outrageous. And a lot of people were losing their homes based on that type of mortgage. Uh, if you get any type of mortgage, what I understand and, and what I've known, uh, just get a 30 year fixed mortgage if you can and um, get a get a 30 year fixed mortgage and then pay it off. It doesn't have to be the, the greatest. Now, right now, these homes are ridiculous as far as the property, but I've been talking to some other business owners and real estate people. They're saying it, it should get better. It's not gonna be this way forever, right? I actually had, uh, was talking to a, a guy that owns some commercial property and I said, well, hey, you know, what are you looking to, to rent this space for? And I was a big, huge space, you know, shoot up 10,000 square feet or whatever, but he gave the price, but then he also said, and per month there was a, a like, shoot, uh, 2000 it would be would have been maybe $2000 a month in taxes <laughs> that the person would be required to pay now this is in Jackson County uh it, there's there's something there's something sneaky going on guys when when commercial real estate people are saying hey this is what we're renting it for but the taxes are this and you're going to have to pay this as well okay big, huge problem. So Jackson County residents, now it's not happening out in Lafayette County, uh, Lafayette County, but oh, all you Lafayette County people, hello, Lafayette County. I mean, look, you know, not to say that no one wants to live out there, but of course we have Odessa in Lafayette County. You know, there's, there's great people in Lafayette County, but you know, as far as investment and opportunities and business, seems like more businesses have been, of course, Jackson County is a bigger County and they've done more. So I'm not sure what they're doing, but something's not, something's not working there guys, something's going on. So keep your eyes out, but 30 year fixed mortgage uh, is something that uh, would be good if you could get it. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a big fancy home. There's a such thing as starter homes. There's a such thing as starter homes. And back in the day, that's what you would purchase. And you, you would get married, you'd purchase a starter home, you'd pay it off. Uh, then you would take that the money from that starter home and reinvest it in a larger home. So the home would kind of grow with you. Um, think of it as that, you know, or if the starter home is going to be big enough and shoot, you're not going to worry about wanting to to do more or whatever with it, you know, just pay it off and then keep it. And you want to live in a mortgage-free home. That's cool too. 
but it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be the big uh, showpiece of a home, you know, it's property. So it doesn't have to be the big showpiece of a home. You know, I think that people should uh, understand that. that I'm not trying to impress anybody. I just would like to live. And then there's, there's certain things I'd like to do while I'm living. I don't want a home, (laughs) a house to, to just take all my money. You know, nothing pimps me, right? I don't want any pimps, (laughs) house pimp, car pimp, I look, no, we're not trying to do that. And the reality is, is that when you go and live above your means, then that's what happens. Now, I'm not saying that uh, for uh, our African-American community. I'm just saying it for community period. Young people starting out, get you something if you want to get invest in some property, if you can. I'm not sure what's going on with this economy, but from what I'm hearing, it it shouldn't be this way all the time. It's going to, I don't know if it's going to get better, but it's going to get different. So uh, do what you can to live well, the best you can for the day. Now, uh, here, this um, this uh, slide that I'm showing here is, uh, again, com- community. Uh, this is about community, home ownership rates. I'm going to show that. I'm going to show that uh, spreadsheet here. I didn't get a chance to show it last week, but I'm going to show it here in a minute. Uh, but um, when we're talking about this, the importance of home ownership. I think I've been trying to talk around it a little bit, uh, but um, there is an importance of home home ownership. It's, uh, uh, it's still an aspiration for, what, 61% maybe of Americans. Um, and the, the number of, of Americans of people that would like to aspire to have homes, it's not a bad deal. It's not a bad thing. It's okay. And it's probably going to, it should get better. It should get something, right? But as far as property, you know, and being able to own that. But why is home ownership important for a community? So uh, many people or people that own homes, when you own a home, it's a, it's a place of stability, So, you know, when you're renting, how you can rent or you sign up. And this was one of the most frustrating things for me back in the day. Uh, I would sign up, you know, you would rent this cute apartment or whatever, and it would be one price when you go in. And then the next year they would go up on the rent. And then if you stayed a little longer, they would go up on the rent. So there was always a rent increase for this particular, and then they called it market value. Well, what was I paying before? It seemed like it was all right to me, you know, as far as the price. Then they talk about it increasing in market value. Well, that increase in increasing of the rent, that just kind of drove me, you know, a little bit. I, I didn't like that. So I looked into getting a house. Now houses or having a home, home ownership, it does put stability because you're going to be there longer. So we talked about a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. You're going to be there 30 years or less, right? 20 years or something if you want to pay more on it and get it paid off. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're looking at stability and independence, uh, freedom, when you're talking about, uh, what you can do in a house, you know, I, I, have scaled down you know, for whatever reason I've, I've scaled down. I've been scaled down for a while. My kids are, are grown and older, right? So I'm not really, uh, into desiring the, the big house or anything. I have other things that I would like to do, but, 
there are things that you can do in a home that you can't really do in an apartment and or smaller place where you have neighbors so close to you. And that was something that um, some people just don't get. They are like want to blast their music or they want to, you know, hang out and all that, have uh, 20, 30 folks over to their house, cars just everywhere. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can you can do it, but it's not so cool because you have, you don't really have the freedom to do that. You don't have the space and you don't have the type of neighborhood that, or neighbors that would appreciate something like that. So when you, it, it's calls for independence, freedom, um, and then, uh, where you can, uh, purchase it. So if you're taking and uh, putting money into rent now, it's not a bad thing to rent either guys. What I do want to say, just hold on, <laughs> have a stable home if you can. You know, I know that uh, there's some of us and people, African-Americans and Americans, period, that have had it rough. And I, I know what it's like. So well, if you're going to, if you do have to move because the rent is, is a little bit too high for you, you have to move into a cheaper place. Well, do what you can. Um, and what about the uh, the place where you can just move and, and they don't go up on the rent, maybe, you know, so maybe look for private private renters that would do that. That would be something if, if you are looking and having to rent. Right. It's not a bad thing. Just just keep a roof over your head. You know, hold on because it does get better. But when we're talking about home ownership, why is it important? If it wasn't important, then people wouldn't be trying to redline the government and the local governments and federal governments and politicians wouldn't be trying to redline so much to where they would give loans to one race of people and not the other. Well, you know, there is freedom in home ownership. You know, if you are a homeowner and you, uh, you're taking care of a property, I've seen some older properties in older neighborhoods that are, and they're older, but they are just as immaculate. I've seen them and, and I've been, you know, worked around them. You know, they're just as immaculate as um, the big, big lawns, big manic, well manicured lawns in uh, Johnson County. That's another, uh, that's uh, an affluent county in the greater Kansas City, Missouri area. So it, it's not so much uh, where you live, but how do you take care of the property where you're living? Uh, it doesn't have to be an oppressed uh, looking place, right? It doesn't have to you know, have trash and, and, and all of that and no grass and all of that. I've seen some wonderfully immaculate places. So uh, we keep our heads up no matter where we live. We keep them well maintained. Uh, but the, the uh, real estate, uh, it sounds, it's like an investment, like I shared too. So you would get it paid off and then uh, you could take that money to use it um, to either keep the property and pass it along or take the property and sell it because it's increased in value because you've taken care of it. And then you can take and buy what you'd like or move into one of those uh, fancy senior citizen places because you don't think you're going to be living more than 10 years beyond retirement. Who knows? Right. And travel. You know, your life is you have more freedom when you have property. Money brings an opportunity to have freedom. It does. And uh, that's kind of why. Why so many go through with uh, not having uh, and why so many uh, people get fought 
and so many uh, African-Americans and otherwise uh, have gotten taken advantage of because look, you know, when you, you can, you, when you, when you, you have a voice, when you have uh, freedom and, and economics, you have a voice benefiting, it benefits a community. So I just shared, look, it makes the community looks better because here it's home ownership. I'm not just renting. People have a different attitude sometimes too, when they rent. Hmm. Oh, I'm just, it's just a rental. You know, I've, I've had neighbors where I live come and go. I'm renting. Yeah, I am. I've had neighbors come and go. Yeah. But I choose to rent too. You know, I don't want the responsibility because I'm you know, traveling, doing whatever. And I just, I'd rather do something else. Right. And it's pretty reasonable where I live and it's quiet and it's safe and it's clean and all that. But I've seen neighbors come and go and, you know, they're like, oh, I'm just renting. Okay, well, but you live here. So why do you not take care of your area because you're renting? Okay, that doesn't make any sense. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the mindset of a people, uh, no matter what color you are, African-American, American, American uh, European-American, Hispanic-American or otherwise, it's the mindset of a person uh, that can help with what's going on. Um so, yeah, you have the home ownership. It Im helps to improve the surrounding areas, the individual homes. Um, the housing industry is closely tied to the economy. So when home sales are up, you see uh, more jobs. Uh, you'll see the uh, area where, of course, we talked about the big box stores and the different stores and, and facilities, amenities come into the neighborhood because, you know, people are there, they have the jobs. Of course, that's why business come, comes, businesses come to support. It's like, okay, well, they, they, they're in business to make money. People have money. So your community and home ownership and the housing industry is closely tied to the economy. And, um, you know, that's something that, that, um, you know, to look at, uh, it benefits from the real estate taxes, Ugh. real estate taxes. Oh, come on, Jackson County, get it together. Huh? Uh, this sky, sky high, this <laughs> robbery rate of real estate taxes. Okay. But it does, the community benefits from the real estate taxes paid by the property owners. So the funds are, are used for different infrastructure services and projects, including road repair. So uh, construction of schools and library operations. Uh, police and fire protection. So, you know, there in itself. Now, Kansas City, that the police department with Kansas City, from what I understand, they're not funded. <laughs> they're funded in a different way because of something that went on in the Pendergast area, era, the Pendergast era. And we know the Pendergast era. That's, um, I was talking about that. That's, uh, during the time of um, the hoodlums and gangsters here in the Kansas city area. And so it's, I'm going to have to look into that and study that a little bit more, but you look into it. You know, this is something that we can do together, but I don't think they're funded by uh, local, local taxes and things. I think they're, they're funded on a state level, which is interesting. And I think that's what the fight is kind of all about and why uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas is having such a hard time and trying to uh, come up with some funding hmm, 
to help with the situation of not uh, having the proper resources to support the community so that they can communicate, we can communicate together and come up with solutions that will uh, bring down or eliminate or whatever we're, we're wanting to do. It's not going to be a utopia till, till Jesus comes. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> it's not a utopia till he comes and reigns with an iron fist, right? But for it to be better, it's ridiculous. You know, where's the progress of the past 50 years? I think we're looking at those anniversaries and we're still seeing the issues of uh, police brutality. So, uh, yeah, that um, that in itself, you know, the police and fire protection, snow, snow removal, uh, parks and greenways, government social services. So that's what the real estate taxes pay for and other enriching infrastructure projects. So homeowners uh, usually often get involved more with politics too. So if you're renting, you're kind of transient to a community because, you know, you may be there, but, you know, then you may not like it there. You'll move to a different place. But if you're a homeowner, you're going to be stuck in that community, right, for about 30 years. And you're going to be more concerned about what's going on, the school system. So you're going to go to the different board meetings. You're going to get involved and have a voice in politics and government, right? That's that's usually the process there. So. That's something that uh, that home ownership brings. It, it just brings a different mindset. So you're going to attend the council meetings and volunteer in groups and organizations and, you know, just participate in life. That's what usually happens when you're a homeowner. Uh, of course, uh, it's uh, a far reaching for some. Right. Not everyone uh, can uh, aspire or have the home ownership or, you know, they don't, can't get the loans. And that's what we're talking about. Redlining, you, you don't get the loans. And there's still, still that going on today. Uh, sort of uh, in a, in a way to where may, maybe not as blatant and outright. And that's that racism and discrimination is what is, what is even more dangerous. You know, I can, I can deal with someone that, gets in my face and, and hates me and calls me a name for whatever reason, who go figure that. <laughs> Why would anyone hate anyone else based on the color of their skin or ethnicity, you know, but I can deal with someone when I see it. Right. But then the undercover, undercover legal, uh, fine print and, and, uh, things that go on that you can't see that is, to me, the most dangerous. Uh, but there's there's some answers here. There's some answers. All right. So uh, let's let me just go ahead while I'm here because I think I'm about out of time again. Let me. Uh, well, it's getting on up there here. Yeah. Well, we're we're doing okay. I'm going to quickly look at this slide that I missed last week. So I'm going to stop sharing that, and then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to share this slide here we were talking about um talking about the uh home ownership now here let me make sure i'm showing it yeah this is the uh census bureau the uh, census bureau the home ownership rates by race and ethnicity okay so this is home ownership house homeowners householders from 1994 to present okay so 
non-Hispanic white alone in 1994, uh, 96.8%, uh, we started out with that here, uh, homeowners, okay, of the communities, uh, of black homeowners, it was 42.1%, okay, and then the Hispanic, uh, wasn't too far behind, Hispanic family, uh, 40.3%, that was in 1994, so we're looking and we can scroll through some of these 95, 90, and it, we can see where it, it kind of hovers to be the same, hmm, kind of hovers to be the same as far as percentage wise, a little bit more here in 1998, 72.1% uh, European American homeowners, 45.2%. Uh, African American and then Hispanic, 44.4%. So it goes on in 2000s, uh, 2000, uh, 2, 74.6%. Uh, European Americans, um, uh, African Americans, 48.2%, and Hispanic, Hispanic Americans, 46.4%. So it, it goes on. So it increases, but it, it kind of stays around. But still, we see where there are more Euro European American homeowners. And even in 2010, it uh, seems to increase even the more. And here, Hispanic Americans in 2010, 2010, the homeownership outpaces the African American homeownership. Now, Hispanic Americans don't make up as much, you know, as, as, as far as the population at that time, huh? So they're at 48.5%. There, there are more Hispanic homeowners in 2010 than there were African Americans. And of course, European Americans, they still, you know, had held their own in having uh, their 74.5% home ownership. Now that, uh, that bubble, that bubble of where that, um, homeowners where the, those in balloon mortgages or whatever they want to call them, it, uh, it had a big effect, but I'm still seeing where home ownership for African Americans, uh, just went below, way below. So, and even in 20, 2018, African Americans had 42.2% home ownership, and then well, European Americans 72.4%, and then here Hispanic Americans 48.4%. So they really, really took off. And 2021, last year, actually this year so far, we're looking at 73.8% for European Americans and then African Americans, 45.1% home ownership and Hispanic Americans, 49.3%. So, uh, there's, um, uh, that's, they're just, they're the numbers for it. Uh, home ownership for African Americans is just gone, gone down. Uh, I, I don't know why, you know, huh? Well, System, systematic, hmm, systematic racism, things that have gone on, uh, even in the education system. You know, we can look at so many things that would cause this, uh, but that's one, 
one scale of looking at a community. So what are what's happening with the communities? Um, the African American communities probably more transient because you know they're renting, they're renting more. And uh, I remember this past uh, summer I had shared. I was looking, uh, you know, interested in, in uh, I was looking for a neighbor, a neighbor. So I was in a community that looked, would have been an African-American community. I, you know, back in the day, I mean, I know where the stomping grounds were, right? And this community was totally, totally Hispanic, totally Hispanic and a few European-Americans. Well, but even within the home, I'm like, okay, well, this neighbor here, uh, where would this neighbor be? Well, the neighbor, uh, the home was owned by a Hispanic American, but was being rented by an African American. And this is what the European American lady told me that lived next door. And she laughed. Yeah, she found it very funny. Uh, but I believe it was more ironic that here, uh, people that don't speak English so well, right, come over and here they just get the opportunities or they work. Who knows what's going on, right? We do. And they get the the loans and they get, uh, they work the jobs and they pay the mortgage. And that particular family was now living in Lee Summit somewhere, which is, a, doesn't have to be a super affluent neighborhood. At least Summit has some nice neighborhoods, but just not in the, the older neighborhood where they were living. Now they're renting that older home to an African-American. So interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah, let's see. I didn't see this and make it a little bigger next time. Um, I think I was on that, the largest one that I could make it for, but I'll look into that. Reza Singleton, can you make it a little bigger? <laughs> Next time I will look into that, making it a little bigger, making sure that it's bigger for us. Okay, let's go back. I have another slide and we're going to just quickly run through. The, the answer is always, he's always provided an answer, guys. Mm -hmm. If we can just basically learn to love, love ourselves. Now, I know that there are many African-American scholars that are like, no, that's not it. Well, you tell me what is, because <laughs> I'm not even able to get up in the morning if I don't love myself to get up in the morning first. Hmm. If I don't see that there's hope in me first, that I'm worthy, that I can love myself because he loves me first, because God loves me first, I won't even get up. So that's my argument and stance. I'm going to go back to say, look, let's love ourselves first. Let's do that. Let's get back into see what happened to the black power, hmm? black power in that. That's the the energy, the the unction, the overcoming, the perseverance, the gumption to get up and keep going. What happened to the black is beautiful slogans that we used to say. Hmm? We reminded ourselves of that, um, that it was okay to be African-American and actually wonderful to be African-American. The big fro's and the dashikis and all that. Now, we don't have to go back to that because we actually have have moved on to uh, create and to develop rather. I don't like to use the word create when it comes to mankind, but to develop uh, ideas and, and creativity and art 
in so many different ways, much better. And, and the world standards look to see what we're doing just so that they can capitalize on it and sell it still to this day. So here, let I'm going to share this slide again, and then we're going to have to break here. Uh, let me, let's see, which one is it? This one here. All right, so I'll share it. And this one, let's see if I got, uh, yes, here we go. Kwanzaa. Now, Kwanzaa is, uh, and this is courtesy of CNN. I did pull some information off of uh, their website here. Uh, 20, December 26 marks, marks the start of Kwanzaa, also spelled Kwanzaa, a seven-day non-religious holiday observed in the U.S. meant to honor African-American ancestral roots. The celebration lasts until January 1st. And notice the red, black, and green candles. That's uh, the colors. Those are the colors of the African-American flag, which brings unity to a people to, uh, to give them hope and uh, not segregation, not hate. It doesn't have the stars and bars, which represents hate and, and murder and, and frustration, but it represents unity, these colors, this African-American flag. Okay, so here, what is it about this Kwanzaa, huh? <laughs> this Kwanzaa, it means first fruits. Okay, according to CNN. Now, the holiday of Kwanzaa was created in 1966 by Molana Karenga and became popular in the 1980s and 1990s in tandem with the Black Power Movement. And uh, the holiday is defined by the seven principles, and each day of the festival is dedicated to a specific one. So, marked by uh, candle lighting. Uh, on the Canara uh, seven branch ca candelabra. We <laughs> candelabra, remember back in the day, <laughs> the candelabra, so elegant and everything. Okay, now one of the first principles of Kwanzaa is umoja. Okay, umoja is uh, Swahili and it means unity. Umoja. Uh, Karinga defines this on his Kwanzaa website. Uh, it's to strive for and maintain unity in the family, community, nation, and race. Okay, so I never live just by a secular idea. I never live that way because uh, the, the world didn't make me. <laughs> world didn't make me god did and he wrote the book so i go to the word and here if uh, if we can take the word and find what it is that supports these uh principles this is kind of what i did here so and you know i throw scripture out there i throw scripture out there on obstruction of justice every wednesday just like i do on saturday and sunday because that's what it's all about but first peter three and eight it says finally all of you be like-minded, united in spirit, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, courteous, and compassionate toward each other as members of one household and humble in spirit. That sounds like unity to me. Hmm. All right. First Corinthians 
1 and 10. It says unity uh, with all followers of Jesus. So that's something that we're to be unified into. Just This is a moja now. They, they call it a moja. We call it unity in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10, verse 10. But I urge you believers by the name of the our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you be in full agreement in what you say and that there be no divisions or factions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your way of thinking and in your judgment about matters of faith. So we're to be united, have unity in the faith. Okay. All right, here we go. Ephesians four and three, uh, make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit, capital letter S and the bond of peace each individual working together to make the whole successful. Come on, got to bring that unity in, but I got to be, I got to wake up. I got to, I got to know, I got to be woke enough to know to love me. Huh? I got to be woke enough to know to love me. It's all right. Okay. Cause we're going to talk about this next principle. Kunji Changalia, Kunji Changalia or self-determination. This principle refers to defining, naming, creating, and speaking for oneself. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the one who preserves, perseveres, excuse me. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So God talks about perseverance. We can't just drop the ball. We can't sell out for the for the little job. It's going to be all right with me. Forget everyone else. We can't be quiet about things. It, things will just roll on and another 50 years will come along. and It'll be the same thing. We're going to look into uh, some of the speeches that uh, Dr. King made and we'll see this the same thing. He talked about it. And it's the same issue. We've heard that many times before. Uh, that speech, um, the, uh, when you get a chance, go out there and listen to it. The other America, the other America by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Get out there and listen to that. And you'll, you'll think that you just turned on the TV just this morning when you listen to it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Kunji Changalia or self-determination. Okay. Uh, first Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous, be strong. Okay, so that's Kunji Changalia, self-determination, self-determination. Come on. He tells us to be stand firm in faith and be courageous and be strong. Okay, Romans uh, 12, chapter 12, verses 11 through 12. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Okay, that's persevering. Spiritual fervor is persevering. Stay stay hot about it. Stay passionate about it. Okay. Uh, and here, number three, we're just going to do three here. Uh, Ujima. Ujima, translated as collective work and responsibility. Ujima refers to uplifting your community. Now, see, these are secular ideas, secular principles, but I'm just bringing in here. 
it was written, it was written in the word. So he stands on this. God himself stands on the, uh, what this, this uh, brother was saying. He just got the idea and maybe made it more palatable uh, for those that, that may not, um, you know, understand or have the revelation of, of Jesus just yet. huh? Cause he just got it from our word. Okay. So to build and maintain our community together and make our brothers and sisters problems, our problems and solve them together. This is what Karinga writes. Okay. Unquote. All right. So Ephesians four and 11, uh, and his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. Why did I choose this scripture here? This scripture, because this everyone has different roles to play, but they come together in the oneness and, and to build the kingdom of God. So what 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 greater community to develop and and understand and be a part of than being uh, in the kingdom of God? See, you have that enlightened first things first. <laughs> Oh, first things first. Hmm? First things first, that enlightened first things first. And here's my book. Hmm? First things first, first thing. Come on, get it, get it from the, the creator himself. You get the, the instruction from the creator himself, then, then you have the rest. Okay. Uh, we're, this is Ujima. It's a collective work and responsibility. I'm going to give you one more. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. Come on, see, uh, and we've heard that, that term, iron sharp, sharp, sharpens iron, iron sharpens iron. Come on. So there we go. And this is Kwanzaa. So I'm, I'm a Christmas baby. Big shout out to all the Christmas babies. Blessings to you. Dr. Anthony Clark, blessings to you too. Yeah, all the Christmas babies. Look, it's not just Christmas. Just like we say, look, just February, Black History Month. I'm I'm African American year round. Look, girl, just I'm just black uh, year round. I love it, right? And I'm gonna be aware, and I'm going to, and that's what we call it, awareness, huh? Uh, be aware. Some people call it woke, say what you want, but I'm going to hang in there. All right. And I'm going to continue to persevere through year round. Okay. I got one more and I'm just going to go ahead and talk about the business management class that's coming up in July. So July 10th, Saturday, July 10th, uh, Saturday, July 17th, uh, ASBNC Training and Consulting. We are hosting our business management class. You want to go grab that. That's um, your Excel, your advanced Microsoft Excel training. So go out there and grab that uh, class and, and be a part of it. And I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. You know, it's been fun and uh, it's been good. And uh, just know that. Uh, the Lord says the same. The Lord says the same. Uh, I will definitely, definitely see you next time. <laughs>
Bye-bye. Justice. 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 Justice.